Hey girl. Hey mama. Ready to get unschooled? Totally. Welcome to Moms Unschooled. Where we break down all the things from the mundane to the magnificent. So you can think for yourself and do what's right for you. Hey Erin. Hey Sarah. Welcome to Moms Unschooled. We have a very special guest today. I'd like to introduce my husband, Tracy. We invited Tracy on today because since I have known you, I think one of the things you were really surprised about is how little I knew about money beyond you pay your credit card bill off as soon as it's due. Well, maybe not new, but experience using money effectively. What do you mean by that? So the effective use of right. So you have money and most folks understand what money is, but the effective use of money, I think, takes some experience. Okay, fair, fair. Aaron, what has your experience been when you were growing up with money? Were you taught about investing it? Did you manage your own money? Absolutely. That's a great question because I feel like I grew up with a bit of a silver spoon in my mouth. My parents were all American made, worked hard. I watched them work because they work from home. So every Saturday morning, I would walk into the home office to ask my parents questions and they worked together through this business. And so the days that I had really long conversations with my dad, it was always investment terminology. He taught me about the stock market and equity and loans and debt. He always used these really big words. However, growing up, I never saw any of that. You know, I didn't pay my own car insurance. We had a deal. I was a competitive golfer and my dad always said, that is your job. We will pay the bills because the idea is you're going to pay for college with this. And so I was hardworking but never made a paycheck. And so even though I grew up with all these ideas of money and what money can do for you and how to take care of your money and invest it and so on, I never really had experience doing it. Yes, and I will say I never had experience managing my own money until after college almost. And I had some jobs here and there, but just for like spending money type thing. So today I'm really glad that we are gonna talk about talking about kids and money and educating them about the use, value, and different resources that they should know about. I wanted to start off here. I have this article from Self-Sufficient Kids called How to Talk to Kids About Money Without Creating Entitlement or Fear. And I wanted to read this and get both of your perspectives on some of these main topics. And then Tracy, our special guest, hear from you some different things you think kids can be learning about as far as money and tell us a little bit about your background of how you got to be such a good money manager. Okay, so first, she starts off by saying, similar to sex or drugs, kids are gonna learn about money somewhere, one way or another. So if we are not the ones telling them, they're gonna pick up tips and habits elsewhere. So the goal here to get unschooled about is money can be a taboo, uncomfortable subject, but who better to learn it from than your own family? They have eight tips for talking to kids about money. Number one, it says start early. Children are able to grasp economic ideas such as value and exchange at a basic level as early as age three. What do you guys think about that? So I would agree with that. I remember at a young age, I was given, you know, you get change, you do chores, you, you get a chance to earn money. And I remember being excited, one, and just counting it. And two, 
being able to kind of figure out how I want to spend it best or how I think I could use it best. So I would agree with that. They include a really easy example here. It says you can find opportunities to discuss money with your toddler at the store, for example, explaining why you chose a less expensive box of crackers over another. But as they age, I think the conversation about not just cost, but value has to work its way in there because it's not always about the least expensive thing, right? It's a trade-off between cost and value. Okay, this one I think is a tough one. It says be open to questions. Kids will persistently ask awkward questions about just about anything, including money. Here's an example. So how would you guys respond if your child came in and said, how much money do you make? I have been asked this question and I say your daddy, cause he has the paycheck, I do stay at home. Daddy works very hard to give us a very comfortable life. Do you have anything you need that you never receive? No. Are there things <laughs> you want and we don't give you? Yes. Well, those are for specific reasons why you don't get those wants but daddy makes plenty of money for you to live comfortably. They don't understand big numbers anyway. I mean, my third grader is learning up to 1,000. Anything above the number 1,000 is so completely outside of their realm of understanding anyway, doesn't even behoove me to give them a specific number. Question number two, Mr. Tracy, what would you say if your child walked in and said, are we rich? That's tough. Are we rich? I think it's in a similar vein. They don't understand at that age, and I know I didn't, understand the concept of rich or the concept of thousands of dollars, the quantities that we're talking about. So I think it's more important of, hey, do you have what you need? Are you wanting or needing? Do you need any food, water, any of those types of things? We have enough to meet our needs, our basic needs as a family. And it's probably interesting in our community, which is somewhat insulated in terms of socioeconomic status because we're all in the kind of same house housing situation here they'll be going between houses and it's like the exact same layout basically but just someone's different stuff in the room and we all have a similar like I said socioeconomic status I remember growing up and going to college and my roommate said you're rich and I had never even thought about that because where I grew up I had friends who had bigger houses and things like that it turns out it's just like my parents just spent money on different things like traveling we went on ski vacations every year in Vail and steamboat and those kinds of things but when you're little you're just like along for the ride and then looking back you don't realize oh geez to pay like for all those plane tickets to go out there the rental car and this that and the other so their whole point in suggesting to be open to these questions is so you can have those conversations for example their last question is why does sam have a bigger house than we do and they explain a good route is to talk about well we spend our money on different things instead of we can't afford that house because you might be able to afford that house sure it's just turning the conversation into we work hard for our money and these are the things we value so we put our money towards that as a tool usually they'll just kind of be like okay and walk away we tell our kids all the time our priorities are different they choose to live in this house we choose to live in this house and we spend our money differently what would you say if they said why does sam have a bigger house than we do well i think both those are great answers it might be a good way to or a good time to describe it as a tool and with that tool just like other tools it's used various ways so you can use a shovel to you know dig a hole you can use a shovel to do other things so it's just a tool that you can use or car car might be a better example like the shovel one, I heard a story the other day that you can use it to hit an alligator, but you can go on with it. So the car, Fair so enough. the car example, go ahead. So a car, you can have a nice big car because you have a big family. So therefore your needs are different. 
You can have a smaller sports car because you enjoy either going faster or just having that level of luxury in a sports car. So in that case, I think that's analogous where you know the needs of the individual and the needs of the family are different. So therefore they put the money, a tool, towards those needs as appropriate. That's great. This is an interesting one. It says, be honest. It says, if you have regrets about going into debt or not saving for retirement, tell your kids. Not only can they learn from these experiences, but they'll appreciate your openness and honesty. What do you guys think about that? I 100% agree. Especially when it comes to money, it can be an emotional issue, an emotional topic. And if it's viewed through you know, a functional lens or as a tool, then it's more appropriate, I think, and more beneficial to the learning of the, of the child in this case, or the teen or whichever age, to be honest and open about it. Just like we are with feelings. We try to be with feelings at least. I think that's the most beneficial. I do know that a story that really hit home with me growing up was the fact that my dad grew up with nothing. And as soon as he knew how to take out a credit card, he went out and bought fancy technology of the late 70s, like a boombox. And so he was paying on this stereo boombox for much longer than he actually even had it. And so that kind of small example of debt, priorities, want versus need, really hit home with me at an early age as he was trying to explain to me the debt that he had incurred at a young age and trying to keep me away from doing those. I like that, because that goes along with they write, be careful about the way you share your history with money. The last thing you want to do is glamorize a mistake such as, I drained my savings to go on a fantastic two-month trip around the world, right? So (laughs) still being mindful of the trade-off there. Another one is telling a child that the family can't afford something when technically you can can very quickly become an obvious lie you could probably technically afford or pay for a lot of things that they might be saying they want or need so what is a better way if they're at the store with you and they say they want it you know you can afford it how do you manage those situations I think, and you may not be able to afford it. I think it might be misunderstood. So say a car. You might be able to afford the car right then and there. But when you're talking, you know, we're getting to like 60, 72 month payments, that affordability in the short term could be possibly become less affordable in the long term. Longer insurance, interest, all those types of things accumulate. Whereas, yes, we could afford it in the short term. However, long term, we can't afford it. But ultimately, it's going back to being honest. If you can't afford something, we can't afford it. But do we actually need it? Yeah. This goes back to priorities. That is not a priority for our family right now. And even if it's some plastic rinky-dink toy, okay, do you want that now? Or are you still going to want it in three months? Or is it something I'm taking to the thrift store? You want it because of immediate gratification. Our priorities as a family are different. I keep thinking over and over back in the olden days of 2019 when we could travel. <laughs> all of the trips and all of the souvenirs. They just want something. And it all just sits on a shelf and collects dust. We refuse to do that. And we continue to have that conversation with our children. That's something you want in this moment. It is not a priority. We have the memories and the photographs, the experiences. Another tip, keep discussions age appropriate. I think that makes sense. And then this next one was really interesting to me. It says, beware of sexism. A 2018 survey of parents revealed that they tend to talk to their sons about money more than their girls. So not educating girls puts them at a disadvantage. It's my sister and I. I don't know what experience she's had with learning about money, but... We never had discussions in my house really about money. Erin, you have both boys and girls. How do you talk to them? Well, considering I'm homeschooling, as we all know, the older two, boy and girl, we tend to talk to them constantly together about this kind of thing. A brilliant neighbor of mine suggested that they pay for their snacks. 
So they earned a quarter or 50 cents for every subject they completed that day with a good attitude. And then at snack time, they had a bowl of money and they could purchase as many cucumbers as they wanted for a dime. But if you wanted a handful of Cheetos, it was going to cost you a dollar. And so they saw what they earned, what they could pay for for that. And obviously, the better needs versus wants were a little less expensive accordingly. So did they keep the difference? So let's say they earned $1.50. Yes. Okay. If they chose the cucumbers at $0.30 cents over yes. the goldfish at a dollar, they kept the difference. Yes. Okay. Their, their wealth accrued. But also, <laughs> like my daughter, she's eight years old, and she's becoming a shopping fanatic at this point. And so my husband, after our last shopping trip with the young lady, he mentioned, let's talk about a budget before you take her out. Give her that cash and let her watch it dwindle. Make her choose her priorities knowing she has this amount of money in her pocket. I thought that was really good. We haven't tested it yet. I love the idea. I like that too, but a question I have a lot is, should you as parents make them save a certain amount? And because it's their own money, should they be allowed to buy whatever they want? I don't have the answer. That's a question for Tracy. Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. So that's kind of a two-parter. As far as making them save, I think it's more beneficial to help them learn that it's beneficial to save. So for example, you could say, okay, if you save, or if you're able to save $10 a month, I will match that $10 and now you have 20. I thought about that. Okay, I like that. And then I think that's more beneficial than forcing them, you must save, because then they're going to be like, oh, geez, you know. Should they also be able to spend their money on whatever they want since it is their money? Even if you think it's like, oh, gosh, this toy or trinket is going to break in like nine minutes after we leave the store. Yes, I do, and here's why. I think if they're allowed to pick and choose what they want to spend their money on, eventually they will learn the value of the money. Will they, though? Because don't people just squander away their money and never learn here's a critical part of that so say say you know he or she buys a you know some chintzy toy it may be a chintzy toy and you may be like okay don't buy this you shouldn't waste your money on this as you put it if in you know a day or half a day that toy is broken and you come back and say see here was the value you spent five dollars whatever the case may be and the value you didn't get you didn't get very much use out of that five dollars next time try to buy something a little bit more robust or a different type of toy and you'll get more value for your money you got to close that loop, I think, to get that uh, point across. Okay. On to earning money. Self-sufficient kids, the article we're looking at, also says how to get kids started on allowance the right way. One thing they mention is before they even start earning money, deciding which expenses your child should be responsible for and at what age. Meaning like, hey, we're going to cover X, Y, Z. This is your responsibility. For me growing up, and I have made this parallel many times, and Tracy and I have disagreed on it. I think when you're in school, your job is to be a student, especially if you are highly into athletics. So if you are highly involved in school and something outside of school that happens to not be a paying job, I think your job is to be successful at that. So I don't understand adding the pressure on top of that to also force your kid to pay for their school or something. I disagree because I think the use of money and the understanding of money as a tool is a critical, critical level. I agree, but they can learn that different ways. I, I agree with that. There does not have to be, you have to have a job or you need extra pressure. If you're a college athlete or even a high schooler who is, I mean, I practice sports five days a week, three seasons a year. And my job, as I understood it, was to get good grades, work in athletics. So I think you can do that by being a, a student athlete and a student. 
and you can still uh, effectively learn about money. So for example, one of your jobs was to get good grades. Mm -hmm. Then therefore, if you're, if you're earning good grades, there's a possibility you can get paid for that. And you know, all those other, you can bank account, all those other types of things to kind of learn and get experience with money. Although you're not working at Mickey D's, you are still earning some money and able to get the experience while you're young. So this is new because before you have said you highly believe that they should have paid work experience because that is what helped you specifically get a head start and kickstart learning how to manage all that money and funds. Whereas I'm saying, I don't think they have to have a paid job. Like I think you can still learn the value of money and managing money in other ways. So did you work in college, Erin? Not during my golfing years, no. I was the student who bounced a check, or two, or three. I didn't understand that I saw money in the bank, but I'd already spent it, you know, three hours before that. <laughs> I didn't get that. And so I had a lot to learn with money, and I understood that I worked hard and quote-unquote paid my way in for college with becoming a student athlete, but the whole actual dealing with money, I was completely foreign to. And I mean, I had a lot to learn. I think my husband is way more savvy at money than I am in particular. We have conversations about it all the time. Quite frankly, I think I still have a lot to learn. But I know that it's something important that we need to instill in these children at a very early age. And we can talk in layman's terms with them. So elementary and middle and high school, what are some things, Tracy, that you think would be effective for them to potentially be responsible for paying for? Well, real quick before I answer this question, I think this is interesting because we have three different dynamics here. So Sarah, obviously no job, growing up, grades were the priority, sports were the priority, did not discuss money, did not have experience with money. Myself, we had a family business in construction, so I started when I was like 10. I would get an hourly wage at that age. I had my own bank account. I could save it and do what I want. We discussed it openly. So Who I, talked to you about it? My parents. Okay. And so from my perspective, I, I had a decent amount of experience. Just I thought it was normal, but come to find out, talking to other individuals as you get older in life, I had a tremendous amount of money and financial experience by the time I graduated high school. And then Aaron discussed money, so I had the concepts down. Again, grades, student athlete, but the experience piece of it, although discussion was there, the experience piece of it was not there. And you, the, the experience came in college, it sounds like, where, sure. where the lessons were learned. All good, but you, it, it's, it's just interesting where you have, at some point you're going to learn it. So what things did you pay for in high school? I was responsible for my gas. I was responsible for my car insurance. Uh, I had to pay for half of my car and other things I would, you know, personal items. If I wanted a new pair of jeans, I had to pay for that. That sort of thing I had to do. What are some things that elementary aged kids could be paying for? So I think for elementary, it's it's key that understand that money is a tool, that money is earned. So kind of some of these concepts and start to understand some of the cash value of things and how it's meaningful to them. So really the functional versus an emotional piece of it, and I think it's just by them getting some money, allowing them to spend it, and then going from that, either learning that was a good value, that wasn't a good value, and wow, that really is expensive. I want a video game, I need to save for, you know, it could be up to a month before I can get that video game so I don't get the instant gratification piece there. So smaller chunks. I know, I recently told my son how much of his own money that he got from chores or mostly relative sending money for like birthdays, holidays, things like that. I told him how much he's actually spent on Pokemon cards and it was really shocking. And I think it was important for him to kind of hear that and think about 
oh, wow, I did, you know, because to him, that's a lot of money. Well, and at this point, they're onwards and upwards to something else they'd like to spend that money on. That's when the idea of money really starts to hit home. It's a great learning experience at an early age. Even though those Pokemon cards, we couldn't care less about. Yeah, it's not about the Pokemon cards. It's about the fact that, wow, I spent a lot of money on those things. So what else should we get unschooled about when it comes to teaching kids about money? I think once you get into your teen years, and I'm just drawing from my experience, but I found it very, very beneficial to have more control and given the experience to work with money and learn about money just by trial and error. You know, it's kind of like the car example I gave before. We go to school, you know, a decent amount of time to learn how to drive, and then we have to practice it before we get tested on it. On the financial side or the money side growing up, we don't really have that same thing. It's up to the parents to kind of give them that trial by fire kind of experience and understanding. So I think in the teen years and, and that sort of thing, it's beneficial for them to have more control over their finances. A bank account could be opened up. You know, they could start maybe some checks. I think a credit card, while it may sound crazy, is a good idea as a teenager, especially the ones that, you know, it's a $20 limit or $40 limit, whatever the case may be, to help them learn how to budget and work with a credit card and not go crazy with it. And then investing. I think it's important to, even if it's $20, $50, whatever the case may be, a small amount of money to allow them open up an investment account, allow them to kind of try a stock, see if it goes up or down, try like a mutual fund or an index fund or even a bond. They can learn the different assets and types of investments and they can learn how they work and how them, quite frankly, to, to make them work for them. How much privacy should your kids have in managing their money or should you be able to access their accounts, see what they're spending it on, how often? What do you think? I think it is important that the adult has access to the account. But when they're under 18. When they're under 18, okay. absolutely. For the sole purpose of helping educate, you know, the teen in this case, the proper use of money. Now, that there is a fine line there. That does not mean diving down into specifically what they are buying, but if they're making 100 bucks a month and they're constantly spending that all of that $100 a month, then maybe a discussion on what are you truly buying, what's useful to you, what's your savings plan for the future. So there are ways to help them learn about finances and give them more experience, but not get into their personal life because then that's going to just drive them away. I love that. With this credit card comes a dialogue and experience. We are giving us this credit card so we can grow together and so I can set you up for success. That's brilliant. I think part of that, giving them more control, is expectations for finances. And by that, I mean, you know, if they do have their own you know, bank account, do you want them to pay for their own gas, for example? Do you want them to pay for their own car insurance? Things like that. So you can say, okay, we have these finances. Either you're earning them through good grades or you're earning them through a job. Here are our expectations for those finances because that will help you in the discussion see if they're meeting those expectations as they would need to. I also think at the teen level, you can be like, hey, this is how much we pay for utilities a month, by the way. Age appropriate, of course, but I mean, I had no concept of what it costs to grow up like when I was growing up to like run a household. So for younger kids, what are your top four pointers? I think young kids can understand money is a tool, money is earned, uh, the cash value of items, and really trying to make the understanding of the, the functional versus emotional aspect of money. Can you give an example of that? I want to buy something now because I want it right away. That's an emotional okay. response. I want to buy something because I really like Pokemon and I'm willing to wait until I have the appropriate funds to get it. I also 
think at that age you can teach them to resell things. My son did not use certain toys anymore. And I said, hey, buddy, we can list these for you. And, you know, he told me the price and I posted for him and he earned some money back. Tracy is actually really good about not having anything in your house that is not currently adding any value to you. So why not sell it? So I think that's something you can teach younger kids well. I also like teaching my kids about buying reused from the thrift store, from the Goodwill. You know, my son is into Beyblades right now. And the fact that he got, I don't know, 10 Beyblades in a stadium all for $4 at a thrift store. Then I went home and showed him how much all of that actually would have cost if we bought it online. I love that are really proud to pull their wallets out and buy these things, even if they're secondhand, it's brand new to them. And that also goes toward that really working hard on not trying to create materialistic children. Yeah, and I think one thing I do more often now is talk about what I'm buying and why, or what I'm selling and why. Like, I'm donating. I'm bringing this to the thrift store because X, Y, Z. And if I find something there, I'll say, wow, I got this for $5. If I got it at the store, it'd be $35. Just talking about it more so it doesn't have to be a taboo and as uncomfortable of a subject. Okay, what about for teens? Kind of your top four things, if you can recap them. So I think it's key that they are given more control in order to gain experience, you know, based off what you taught them as a younger adult. So I think that's something you can show teens. Or even, you know what, next time I go to the grocery store, I'm going to tell my son the amount and see. Because I don't really point that out. I might just be like, hey, look at this. You know, here's the receipt. Circle the highest priced items. Circle the lowest items. And what's the total? Just to use that as a cool way to talk about it. All those string cheeses you eat, you know, we go through, (laughs) cost a dollar a piece. Yeah. Or you could put prices on stuff in your house. Like you wouldn't charge them, but just so they would know at like the younger level. Hmm, that would be interesting. You're right to put per unit price on string cheese. Okay. And then make them figure out how much they spent for the week. Oh, I like that. I like that. So I guess the last thing for, for teens I think is important, at least it was for me, and this is my own personal experience here. I thought it was very important to learn, understand, and be exposed to, and be allowed to you know, lose and win some money or lose and gain some money when it came to investments. Just the understanding what a stock was, that it was just a single portion of a company, just by investing it, that I was able to hold part of that company and it was, you know, a company succeeded, I was able to succeed and vice versa. Well, where did you learn about that stuff? By doing it. What made you get interested in it? Is it? Was it the fact that because you had to manage your own money in the first place or did you did, always just like it? Did your parents encourage you to do this? They didn't actively push me into investing. It was... You know, you hear about the Warren Buffetts of the world. You hear about other Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs, all those, all these folks. Like, how are they making so much money here? And as a teenager, I had a relatively, I would say, decent concept of money. It's like, you know, I'm making a hundred bucks a week. These guys over here are making a hundred thousand a week. How can I get into that? Oh, okay. They have obviously very successful businesses. What is this investing? Oh, okay. So, and then I'm going to put a hundred bucks towards Apple stock and we'll see how it goes in a couple weeks. Okay. A couple weeks later shoot, I lost some money or I gained some money. And then I can kind of adjust. I just understand how it works and adjust from there and understand the concept of like dollar cost averaging, what a stock is, what it does. The only thing I remember from my MBA program regarding finances, but go ahead. (laughs) Vehicles and tools like mutual funds, individual stocks, bonds. And then from there, all the tax implications for, for those who want to really get into it. I know it's not sexy, but it's important. It's not like they're going to learn it in school, right? Uh, I sure didn't. When I went to college, I had to learn as I went. Tracy? 
Yeah, so I might have been rare here. In high school, I did have a finance class, but that class was nothing to do with, you know, the real world finances. All it was was the mathematical kind of principles behind financing. So, you know, a future cost, dollar cost averaging, all those, all those other things, which looking back, the economics portion of it and the math principles of it, I think that's the most appropriate for schools to teach. And for the parents, I think it's on the parents to teach the habits, allowing them to have the experience, their lessons and discussions of those lessons, and overall guidance when it comes to finances. Thanks for listening to Moms Unschooled. Subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, or email us at momsunschooled at gmail.com. Juicy!